Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Happy to be here for one final week talking some New Hampshire high school football with you. And we're changing up the lineup, uh, the last last podcast of the season. Joining me this week, we've got Roger Brown of the New Hampshire Football Report and the Union Leader. Uh, Roger, thanks again for uh, stopping in and, jo- and joining me. Uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Pinch hitting this yeah. week, so to speak. Uh, we're once again at Riverside Barbecue in Nashua for the final show of the football season. Uh, don't worry, though. We will return after the new year uh, for the first winter edition of the podcast. Uh, the lineup for that, though, remains to be seen. I don't know. Maybe we can get uh, Coach Lockman to come down and talk some basketball. I don't know how into into basketball or maybe wrestling or something he's, he's into. Uh, of course, don't forget that if you have not, you are still able to grab a copy of the 2017 com football yearbook. Uh, don't wait too long, though. You've got until November 30th to grab one of those. If you're a player or fan, coach of uh, any of the teams that just played in the championship games last weekend, you're going to want to grab this. Even if you're not, uh, I think it's going to be something that will be nice to memento to keep for uh, memory of your high school days. Uh, just go to nh-highschoolsports.com, click on the link at the top of the page, and pre-order your copy today. So, Roger, here we are. You know, it feels like in the blink of an eye the season's over, but now we, we've got our three champions, uh, Division One Winnicunit, Division Two Plymouth, and Division Three Campbell. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, for me at least, I look at two of those champions, and I think I actually I might have even, you know, I had to go back and look at my picks in the preseason, but Division Two, Division Three, I might have picked those teams, but certainly not the way that, that we got here. Um, just what kind of stood out to you as the se- of the season as a whole, maybe? the Any surprises, any uh, unexpected occurrences? Well, I think Winnicott it was a surprise. Um, I don't think many people were picking them to be the team at the start of the year. Um, figured they'd be better. Um, but a lot of their players that were key contributors this year were not household names, so to speak. And, you know, for them to go undefeated, win the title, smallest, what is it, non-public or smallest public school in the uh, Division One, to me that was the biggest surprise, um, that they were able to go wire to wire and, and win it all and, and just how convincing they were too. I mean, that, you know, nothing against Pinkerton. They had a fine season, but that really wasn't much of a contest on Saturday. No. Um, and it wasn't, I mean – Almost from the beginning, uh, you know, those first two touchdowns came, what, I think maybe three minutes apart from Winnicott. Um, you know, Pinkerton's offense wasn't even on the field. They had fumbled that uh, kickoff Kick after the, yep. the first touchdown. So you're talking about a good probably seven minutes that Winnicott had the ball. Uh, yeah, and it was just, I think it was five possessions in the first half, all ending all in touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and then the first one of the, the second half. Ended up being six. They didn't punt till the fourth quarter. Um, just, you know, I, I don't remember ever seeing such a good offensive performance, um, between two good teams as that one. I yeah. mean, um, I know Brian O'Reilly said his team practiced against the Veer all week, but, uh, when it kind of just, you know, clicking on all cylinders that day and running inside, running outside, throwing the ball, whatever they had to do and really got the job done up front. I thought they were. Uh, very physical offensive line, and that's where it all starts. You know, Coach O'Reilly did say something else that I was kind of wondering about um, about Winnicott was 
where was this all season? Um, they, they did put up points, but it was against, you know, teams, non-playoff teams. You know, they're scoring 50 points against Memorial and Spalding uh, is a little bit different than, you know, putting up 40 on Pinkerton. Uh, but, you know, if you look at that, especially that, that stretch of games where they beat Goffstown, uh, Bedford, and, and Exeter, you know, they're only scoring in the 20s. Um, I know they scored 34 against Bedford in the playoffs, but, you know, again, 21 against that Goffstown. Was, that that yeah. was overtime. It you was know, an overtime, overtime. Game, right, right. Um, so where did this come from? Like, I, I, I mean, if you if you had told me that, that Winnicott was going to win, I would have expected that it would have been a, you know, 10-7 game or something like that. I think looking back on it, you know, the whole season, um, it it's, seems to me to be obvious now that the – I get my conferences confused, but the east and the north – much stronger than the other side. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't realize that through the course of the year because I was very impressed with Salem. Uh, I knew Pinkerton was going to be good. Uh, I knew South was going to be good. But um, I guess what I'm getting at is I think they face some really good defenses. Um, Goffstown in particular and Exeter. Right. Um, yeah. Not easy teams to score against no matter how good y- your offense is. So – I think that was a factor in it, and maybe they just kind of, you know, picked up steam as the season went along. And I really think that they're they just for whatever reason they had their best game when they, you know, when it counted the most. Yeah, I, I kind of same thing went back and forth on that about uh, you know a number of times this season which side is the better side. And I, I'm, I'll say all season I thought Salem was the best team. Um, I had them number one in the the power poll all year up until this week, uh, or excuse me, last week. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought a little bit though that maybe that side was just top heavy. You know, that Salem, Pinkerton, South, uh, Londonderry to a certain degree were just that much better than everyone on the other side. But I thought, thought they were maybe a little bit better than Winnicott and Goffstown. But I think it is like you said that you know I guess you know good defenses can make a good offense look bad. Yeah, and I you know that Goffstown team just had two of the best defensive players. You know, the Poisson kid and Duval. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah. were. I don't want to shortchange anybody else on that defense, but you look back on it, how they even hung with Winnicott, really, um, it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, they were fairly limited on offense, Gostown I'm talking about, but, you know, just just great defensive performances, I think, were part of the reason that, um, you know, Winnicott didn't put up really gaudy stats. And, um, you know, and, and – Speaking of that, same thing. I was surprised that Pinkerton was able to put up so many points on Salem in the yeah. semifinals. Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised that they won, uh, especially without Sabanda. But you know, to score that many points because I was very, very impressed with the Salem defense, and I would have bet you money that it was going to be Salem and Winnicott, and you know, two really physical teams going out in the championship game. So that's what I would have expected too. I mean, that's what I kind of expected once the se- we got about halfway point of the season. Um, I like you didn't I, I didn't have Winnicott or Pinkerton in, in my playoff kind of expectations you know going into the year um, which you know shows what I know well <laughs> I mean I didn't have pink I wasn't totally surprised that Pinkerton had a good year but I'm not gonna lie and say that I had him in the championship game yeah. either you know I figured they were I still think they're a team that's a year away maybe um, they may be the best team next year they're certainly going to be in the mix I, I would expect um, with what they have coming back but um, they had a terrific season, you know. Com- you know, um, you you say Pinkerton, and you know if they don't win a title, it's a 
it's a disappointing year, but I, that's not the case this year, I don't think. You know, they were coming off a non-playoff year and um, took some huge steps this season, and I think next year they're, they're going to be really, really good. A lot of kids that, you know, hadn't experienced a playoff game before. You know, I know they had seniors that were probably around, you know, when they made the semifinals two years ago, but I don't think they were key contributors to that team. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing you could see it sometimes was just that that inexperience um, on that big stage certainly happened that first quarter against South. I, I guess the, the one thing that I was a little bummed at was I was really looking forward to seeing what the, their running game could do against Winnicott, and it was almost a non-factor until the second half because, you know, they, they number one, didn't have the ball. And when they did have the ball, they were so far behind, they felt the need to throw it. Yeah, uh, to me that was – well, two things on that, Joe. The, that was the key matchup I thought coming in was, you know, Pinkerton's running game, which was what they – their strength versus Winnicott's run defense, which is certainly their strength. And I thought Pinkerton had a chance to move the ball only based on the fact that Bedford ran the ball against Winnicott in the quarterfinals. And then the more I got thinking about it, I kind of flipped it and said, well – how's Pinkerton's defense going to hold up against Winnicott's run offense, yeah. you know? And that was really uh, more of the story, I think, because as you mentioned, Pinkerton had to go away from the running game anyways because of the score. Um, but just both sides of the ball, you know, Winnicott was running running the ball and um, they stopped what run they had to uh, until they got themselves a big lead and Pinkerton had to go to plan B. You know, how many um – yeah, I know the the veer is what it's it's an offense that's been around for some time, hasn't it? Yeah, um, a long time ago. Houston yeah. used to run it in the seventies. I'm sure it was predates me too. Do you do you think um, you know how much of of high school football is kind of a copycat thing? I mean, I know a bunch of teams switching to the spread probably more than a dozen years ago now. Um, you think anybody's going to look at what Winnicott did? Maybe take a second look at their personnel. And say, hmm, you know, maybe maybe that's something we should be doing. I would, you know, I don't have much of a coaching resume, but um, you know, Winnicott used to be a wing T team, and they got close to a couple of championships, but Bishop Girton always beat them. And I know Coach Offon thought he was just too predictable, and I, I like the veer. You know, to me, you can do. It doesn't really limit what you what you can do. You run inside, you run outside. A lot of people think of it as just an option offense, which it's not. It doesn't really prevent you from passing, throwing the ball. You don't give away what you're going to do by your formation, really. Um, so I would think, and, and I'm going to go a little off subject here, but I'm going to switch to Campbell and their offense, their single wing. I think there's schools, particularly uh, in Division Three this year, the smaller schools that are struggling, that, that's the type of offense that they should copycat yeah. and yeah. run. Because you got all these these schools with, um, you know, not a lot of kids on the roster trying to run an offense that maybe they don't have the athletes for. Where if you just get in that single wing, you know, that's a great offense, and you don't need to have a ton of skill. You you're know? basically just lining up and hit, hitting somebody. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're not you know you don't you don't even have a handoff typically. Right, to, it to, makes to, it easier, um, shortens the game for for. You know, for people that are just trying to be competitive, really. Um, but there's a lot of deception. It's not like it's it's not like it's an easy offense to defend either. You know, and 
Um, I remember when Kearsarge started their program, I think they, their head, Dennis Hoffman was the head coach, I believe, and he said, we're, we're just going to run eight plays and we're going to run them really good, you know, and then we'll expand off of that. And that's kind of what some of these um, struggling D3 schools, I think, should do. But, yes, the Veer would be a good off option for a lot of teams, I think. And, you know, some of these, um, you know, I did a story in the Union Leader on the old school offenses that were there Saturday and, uh, um, you know, wing tee and single wing and even the wishbone that Monadnock ran. You know, some of these would be good options for, for some of these um, smaller schools, I think. Yeah. So you, you, we mentioned Pinkerton. You know, they've got a lot of juniors coming back um, next year. Definitely a team that will be in the mix. Um, you know, I kind of look at Nashua North. You know, they are maybe not quite at the same level as Pinkerton, but another hev- junior-heavy, sophomore-heavy team this year. They've got a lot of experience. Um, really a minute and a half away from making the playoffs and that they, they beat Londonderry that one game. You know, they get in instead of Londonderry. Um yeah, you good know, game that night. I was there that night. Yeah. Excellent game. Um, not that it, you know, I talked to Dante Lorendi actually today about that. And uh, I don't know, we, we both kind of like, it would have been nice to be in the playoffs, but, you know, going to play Salem wouldn't have been. Right, right. Pretty, I saw that uh, other, I saw the yeah, Salem North yeah. game as well, so I can, I know where Dante's yeah. coming from. Um, but, you know, Pinkerton North, um, who else do you think might be, uh, you know, a team that could be, you know, in contention next year in Division One? I would I would think Bedford would be pretty good. They still have a fair amount of good athletes coming back, and I don't think the Winnicott run is over. Um, they got a good number of kids on the defense back next year, and I really think that Jordan Fuller, the running back, he's yeah, only he, a sophomore. He's a pretty sturdy kid for a sophomore. Um, he's got a pretty good mix of, of size and speed. Yeah, that, that, yeah, he's yeah. a he's a rugged kid for sure. I think that's enough. Um, I don't know what you know. The other thing I know about Winnicott is their their sub varsity teams have been terrific for yeah. the last few years, and so I'm sure they got more coming through the pipeline. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be like this year, but I don't think they're going to fall you know out of playoff contention. Yeah. They, um, uh, they do have to replace the quarterback, which uh, not know, easy, not never easy. easy. Yeah, especially like we were talking, you know, that offense. It's one thing to do it; you got to be able to study it and know what you're doing. You know. When to when to keep it, when to give it up, kind of. Yeah, I just think they have the framework, though. You already have the running back in place. Um, you have good, you know, a couple kids on the defensive line back. Uh, McDougal's brother is one of them, Joe. Um, Who I thought was kind of one of the standout kids in that game on uh, defensively. I mean, he had a huge game. Yeah, from talking to opposing coaches, he was always a name that, that popped up. Like, you know, he's not a, a kid that gets talked about a lot, but um, – you know, when coaches looked at Winnicunit and and how to attack their defense, when I talked to him, that, that was the name that always came up was, you know, the, the quarterback gets all the attention, but his little brother is a problem. Yeah. Um, I think he's like six foot five. So when he finds the weight room, watch out, you know. Um, so I, th- what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I think they have the framework on offense and defense and they just got to fill in a few holes. Quarterback is always a big question mark when you don't have uh, a returner there, but um, – you know, we'll just have to see, but I, I, I would think Winnicott would be very good next year too. Yeah, of course, Exeter probably same, always seems same to be as in always. The mix. Yeah, um, Se- seven and two a, at the very least, yeah, and then we'll yeah. see what happens from there. Uh, Goffstown obviously loses uh, some pretty good seniors: Duval, Boisson, uh, Moses, their big 
D tackle. He's he's gone. Got the quarterback um, the and the running back back. back. Yeah, that's so kind of a big combination. If they can overcome the coaching, they'll be all right. <laughs> um, of course, it also. I mean, I I would assume they're not going to ch- change too much. Obviously, Alvin's moving down. Wyndham's moving up. Um, so there'll be a little bit of a change there. I would Im- would imagine that they put Wyndham in with in the south and with Pinkerton and Merrimack uh, over to the right. west. That's what everybody's expecting, so who knows what they're going to do. So they'll probably put them in the north and move Right, Ex- Exeter will be in with Keene yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah that makes right. sense, moving Merrimack over there. Um, you know, you you got to put Wyndham with Salem and Pinkerton. Those are the schools where the Wyndham kids used to go, uh, go play uh, and attend, so... Um, They're right in the middle of that area. Yeah, so it's just it just it's, yeah. it's just common sense that that's where they fit the best. And frankly, Merrimack fits better on on the Nashua yeah. uh, BG Keene conference as well. So, um, and we may have the two ten team conferences next year um, to be determined. So, yeah. Um, so in division, move on to division two. Um, you know, I think I, I think I, I might have uh, mentioned it to you at some point last week. That I, you know, I went in looking at that game. You know, how badly Plymouth beat up on Bo during the regular season. Um, you know, going into a championship, I didn't want to take Bo lightly again. Um, and then after I talked to to Bo coach uh, Paul Cohen in the middle of the week, I, I got off the phone with him and I started thinking, oh my, they might actually have a chance to really pull this off. I, you know, just I, he, I, I got to imagine that that listening to him as a player has got to be, I mean, I got to imagine his kids want to run f- through a wall for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great, great speaker, great coach, um, you know, to get that team to the finals two years in a row in a division that no one really thought that they had a chance to compete in. Um, it I, just I, I saw one of their last games in division three mm-hmm. and they were no match for Winnesquam. And then the next year, you know, about a year later here, they are, they were in the championship yeah, game. Yeah. And then uh, another year later, they're in the championship game again. So all, all kinds of respect for the, for that program. And they, it almost felt like you know at least through one quarter plus of that game, that if just something had kind of gone their way. I mean, they were getting they were out. You know, Plymouth had moved the ball on them, but they dodged a few bullets. You know, they get those back to back intercept or you know, Plymouth throws an interception in the end zone, give it right, it right back over, and then. Uh, Plymouth scores. Garrett Maycomber goes 69 yards for the touchdown, and that kind of felt like a lot of game left, but that felt like it. It was it. Yeah, I mean, Plymouth was the better team, no question. Um, and like you said, Bo needed some good things to happen, a couple of fortunate bounces, turnovers, big plays on offense, something that gave them some real momentum early where, you know, if they had got up, say, two scores and um, – in the second quarter or something like that, maybe they could have, you know, finished it off. But um, they didn't really get much going their way. And, um, you know, it was pretty obvious that Plymouth was kind of asserting itself. And, you know, that, that was the other thing about Saturday. It was kind of disappointing was after what I thought was a good first game. I mean, I know people want points. I, I don't mind defensive struggles like that. But the the D2 and the uh, D1 games, just not all that much drama. No, know. no. I think – the um, the D one game was a little different just because I, I think like most people I thought it was going to be close and then all of a sudden it's it was more one of those wow fact like what is happening um, but yeah the D two game got kind of I mean it was 
twenty nothing at halftime, um, and it felt like it was about thirty, forty, or not forty nothing. Um, and then Bo came out on that first, had a great first drive of the second half, and then not scoring on that, I think, really kind of, you know, sealed away any chance they had in that game. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't come away from that game thinking that Bo played bad. Oh no, no, you know, not at all. I just think that, no. that you know they were up against it, you know, and uh, I, I think Plymouth was just that much better than everyone else. In yeah, D- I agree. Too this year. Yep, no question, and that's why I said Bo needed some breaks, you know, um, to go their way, and and just didn't get them. Um, but I, I, I felt like they played a good game, and I don't know if overmatched is the right word, but they were just, uh, you know, it was too tall a task for them, I guess, you know. Uh, you know, you look at this the Plymouth team, um, and it seems like they, you know, you, you, there's I mean, obviously Maycomb versus the the one that everyone looks at because you know he's the reigning Gatorade Player of the Year. He's just kind of a, a monster on both sides of the ball, but they have probably four or five other kids that would have been standout, would have been the guy if it hadn't been for Maycomber. I'm just that much. They were they were deep. Kind of, yeah, it's, yep. it's just. I, I mean, it's it's. You look at them last year, and they had so many injuries to some of those guys. You know, the, it's kind of an, almost a no-brainer now to look at them and say, yeah, of course they're going to repeat. Yeah, I hadn't had a chance to see Nolan Farina play um, before he got injured last year, so I didn't really know how, how much, and I knew he was good, but, um, you know, clearly a big play guy for them. And, um, and then they had more of a passing attack this year too, which is, you know, they didn't even need that, but it was there for them, and they showed that in the championship game. And, you know, that was a thing I struggled with uh, voting in the power poll this week is where do I put Plymouth? Uh, you know, undefeated, obviously a very good team, could beat a lot of Division One teams, but they played a Division Two schedule and not even a strong Division Two no. schedule. And if they had played, let's say, Winnicunit's schedule, what does the record look like at the end of the year? You know, that's, that's the question you have to ask yourself. Are they better than Goffstown, even though Goffstown has two losses, or or not? You know, they scrimmage. I believe they scrimmage Goffstown, but for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure they hung with them. Pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, there's something to be said for you know a, a D2 team coming up and and winning winning a game as opposed to week after week right, you play in right. Exeter and then Bedford and then Central and then winning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and week after week you're really you know. You're not getting any weeks off like Plymouth does at the D2 level where half their games are over at halftime right. probably. Yeah. So that's that was a it's a, you know, it's a it's a good argument and nobody really knows the answer. Um, I'm sure they would have fared well with that group in D1, but how well is the question, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of I and I think any any talk of that, you know, you're putting D2 and D3 teams in at least for in my my thought I'm not putting them in the in my top ten because I think they can go play a D1 schedule. I put them in my top ten because I think they could go play, you know, this team or that team and that team and have a pretty good chance and probably come out with a win. It's uh, more of a game to game kind of thing than it is a, a full season. Yeah, every everybody has a different way of looking at that poll, you know. And, and with me, it's, um, you know, I I couldn't put Plymouth above any team that I didn't think they could beat tomorrow. Like, you know, I ended up putting them fourth. And could they go beat Exeter tomorrow? I'm not sure they could, you know. Maybe maybe one out of five or something. But who would you wager on if you had to wager, you know. Um, so that's the way I looked at it. And it's, it's subjective. Who knows? 
I, I maybe had, they'd win by double digits, but I put know. them second because yeah, why, no. not? why not? I couldn't I argue know. against it. Yeah. Uh, um, just because they didn't play a tough schedule doesn't mean they couldn't have beaten yeah. good teams. Yeah. So I bet you most people put them second. I, I, you know, I haven't seen the poll, the, f- the final results yet, but I bet you that's where they finish. Yeah. So then I'll probably get all the angry emails. But <laughs> well, know, I put them fourth. They're always directed at you. And even even when when you know I do stuff on my site, they still come to you, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, you know. I mean, the winner kind of people are going to be really upset that I voted Campbell number one. You know. <laughs> Um, so looking at division two, um, you know, I think the last couple of years with the format, it's been 22, you know, 22 teams, 11 in each conference. It's kind of, I mean, obviously there's the Plymouth's and the Wyndham's and St. Thomas that you kind of expect to be there. Um, but you know, I, I look back at what, you know, what else I expect. I thought Milford was going to have a much better year than they did. I know injuries kind of derailed them at certain points. Um, Conval kind of went off the rails when the quarterback got hurt. You know, they got off to a really good start. Yeah. Um, Hollis, I thought once they lost Delaney that they were still going to be a playoff team. But, I I mean, I didn't see them scoring points the way that they continued to score points. Um, You know, so what, again, with the changes, Wyndham going up, Alvern coming down, some other teams maybe dropping down out of Division II if if the four division format uh, ends up being a reality. Yeah. who do you think is maybe someone that's going to be at the end? It'd be one of these teams that we're talking about a year from now. Well, that that's one of the issues I have with this new format is it Division Two doesn't look like it's going to be really strong. You know, I mean, you already weakened it by taking Wyndham out. You know, and you got Plymouth in there with West and Pembroke and Guilford, Belmont and Kingswood. You know, teams that are just their programs aren't real strong right now. So I have a problem with all the people saying the lopsided scores. This is why we're doing it. We're going to have more lopsided scores next year in that division. But um, I think Hanover, maybe, you yeah. know, uh, when uh, Sam Cavallaro took over that program, I was told that it was they were on the ropes. Not a lot. You know, it's a soccer school. Not a lot of kids in the program. And I think they had one loss last year and undefeated regular season this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so three losses in the last two years, yeah. So he's getting it done. Um and I don't know what they have for – I don't see Hanover a lot. I don't know what they have uh, exactly coming back or what might be coming through, but it just seems like he's doing a good coaching job and the program's heading in the right direction and he's got a good staff. So they may be a team that emerges as a perennial contender in that division. But um, – and Hollis, you know, I mean, with the the young quarterback that did such a good job this year. And they, they don't lose a lot um, in terms of – I think they some of their receivers are seniors – um, their interior linemen, I think, are both seniors on on defense, but I think most of their defense is back, um, you know, outside of uh, Simcoe and then like the, then those linemen. Um, so they could be pretty good. Uh, and, and another team that comes to mind, and I didn't see them this year, but they certainly, I would say, they finished stronger than any team in the state was Pelham. Yeah, they yeah. didn't allow a point in their last four games. Uh, yeah, four was it four or five? Yeah, four. Maybe games. Yeah, yeah, at least four. Yeah. And. Um, I don't know the gentleman's name, but I know they have a real young uh, uh, athletic Char- kick returner. Uh, Charlie, K- it's either Caden or Catton. Well, he's exactly a lacrosse player, if La- I'm not yeah, mistaken. Lacrosse player. He was a freshman starter for them, I believe, in lacrosse. Um, yeah. He so played a lot as a sophomore this year. Um, he, I, when I, I did see them once this year, and um, 
they didn't give the ball to him a lot, but when they did, it seemed like he was always making plays. Yeah, and they I don't know what they had on offense. They seemed like they were pretty young on offense because they didn't score a lot of points, but they kind of found who they were and their identity at midseason and started to win some low-scoring games relying on their defense. Um, so I got to think that's something to build off, uh, assuming they don't just get gutted by graduation. You know, I know they got some of their better skill players back, but I don't, I'm not sure about what they have after that. So D2 is always um, – it's a it's a tougher one to predict than than D one for me because the schools are scattered across the state a little bit more and you don't see them or at least I don't see them as much as I do some of the D one teams so uh, there very well could be some surprises out there that I'm overlooking as well. I, I think um, Sowhegan has the potential to be a, another good team next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, they um, clearly a team heading in the yeah. right direction. Um, John Stark returns the quarterback, uh, McQuarrie Parker. Yep, a um, few other kids. Um, you know, I think I don't know about Bo. I mean, I, they're they might have been senior heavy this year, but I mean, I think I might be done counting them out. Like I, I'm not going to say they're not going to have a good year next year. Um, they seem like almost like a Division two Exeter in some ways, where not not really flashy, but they're just going to the next wave of kids is going to come in and, and run the system, and you know they're going to do what they do and be six and two or whatever the case may be. You know, yeah. um, I just. Strength of program, I think, is what they have going for them there. Uh, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, Division Three championship game was probably the uh, – well, probably was the best game of the day. Um, Campbell beating Monadnock 12-8 to on a uh, fourth-quarter touchdown by uh, Keegan Mills. The Campbell goes on defense and has to withstand, I guess, a, a, you'd say a bit of a drive from Monadnock. Uh, fourth down pass goes incomplete in the end zone uh, for Campbell to win it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, again, like you were saying, people want to see points, but that was a – that game had me – if I'd have been sitting, I would have been on the edge of my seat. I, yeah, was, uh, I was on the sideline, but uh, – the, the thing I like about those games where, you know, um, just tough to get in the end zone, but tough to get first downs too. And, you know, like the Winnicunnick game, you know, a 10-yard run, no big deal. But in the Monadnock game, that was a huge play if you got a 10-yard run because yeah. nobody was moving the ball really. And – in some ways, that's more exciting to me because um, one one big play, uh, one touchdown, or turnover, just that much tougher to overcome in a game like that. Um, and it, for me, I love the offenses that we're going at it—the single wing and the wishbone. Those are, you know, I'm not—I don't mind the spread, but um, one of the things I like about high school football is the variety in the offenses that you see and. Uh, that game was a perfect example. You know, it was just a terrific game. I was uh, very impressed with Monadnock, not a big roster, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of the coaches complain that they can't compete because they don't have the numbers. Well, look at Monadnock. Would they have 25 kids or something like that? I just know. Give or take a couple. They, um, when everyone got there down to the sideline for that first game, we were told by the NHIA that we weren't allowed in the box. That, you know, between the 25s and that white, solid white line, uh, on the Monadnock sideline, we weren't allowed in there, despite the fact that there was like seven people. Yeah. In on the sideline. Um, I looked down there at one point. I thought it was just the uh, the skill kids were out there. The linemen hadn't come out of the <laughs> locker room yet, you know. But uh, I was very impressed with Monadnock, and that's a team, you know, uh, Hart and Matson, both juniors. I think the quarterback is a junior. I may be wrong about that. Santon, I may be I'm wrong. Not sure. He, I, you might think you. No, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, um, so watch out for them next year as well no question 
um, you know, we, I had to, you know, watching that game as it kind of unfold, I had that just kind of, you know, Campbell got that first touchdown. They go up 6 nothing. Nadnock answers right back. And, of course, Campbell's touchdown came off a f- kind of a pair of turnovers, a couple of fumbles, one of which came right after an interception, on an interception return. Right, yeah, two, um, two turnover, t- turnovers on one play. Yeah, um, so you're kind of, you know, I was looking at that and I was thinking, well, okay, you know, are they going to need their defense to score again? Like, is that, you know, are they going to have to either create a turnover or get a defensive score to win this game? Uh, and then they came out with that. I mean, it was really their only possession of the fourth quarter lined up in a spread with Mills at quarterback, uh, or I'd heard someone say it was the Wildcat, but whatever. Yeah, right, right. Um, he was the only one back there anyways. Yeah, yeah, And all of a sudden it was like night and day. All of a sudden they moved the ball, and, and just I thought it was to go to be able to go to that in the middle of the game, in the middle of a championship game, just a, a remarkable job by their coaches and their kids. Absolutely. A great coaching move. Um, they weren't getting anything against Monadnock. Um, I think it was – Two plays left in the third quarter, they were averaging less than one yard per carry. You know, I think they ended up with 30 yards on 28 carries after three quarters, something like that anyway. So they were going nowhere unless they did something different. Um, So, you know, it was pretty obvious that they had to change something, but coaches are stubborn sometimes and figure they can do the same things. But Yeah, um, 31 yards on 28 carries through the third quarter. Yeah, and. Um, you know, then they started crack back blocking on the Monadnock defensive ends and getting outside and uh, loosened them up with a couple of pass plays. So, you know, Monadnock had everybody up within three, four yards of line of scrimmage for most of the game. And um, they had success and it paid off in the touchdown that gave them the victory. Not just that, but 85 total yards on 33 plays uh, going into the, the, the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they weren't doing anything offensively. No, the story of the game was the Monadnock defense for, for most of it. Yeah. And to be honest, they were running the ball well, too, Monadnock. I, I, you know, if you had asked me at any point in the second half who's going to win, I would have picked Monadnock, you yeah. know, until Campbell scored that TD. Yeah. Um, so that was just a terrific game, you know, I thought. Um, to then have Monadnock answer, too. I mean, to, to get as close as they did. Right, right. To, to take in the lead in that game. I mean that was that's everything you could ask for in a, in a really in a high school championship game because they have it come down to almost the last play. Right, right. Yeah. Decided at the end, and you know, looking back on it and, and second guessing, uh, I wonder if Coach Avery looked like his kid could throw pretty well. Maybe I don't think they attempted a pass until the fourth no, quarter. They, they held that last drive, and maybe maybe toss in a couple of pass plays earlier in the game, see if you can hit on something. Um, but it's easy to say that now. You know, they were running the ball well. That's what they did all year. So You're trying to kill the clock, too, up until right. that point. Yeah. It's just, um, um, you know, you, you look at things that you might have done differently, and, it's again, it's always easy when you know the result already. But um, uh, I, they look like a little bit more uh, versatile team than they, than they showed. So, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Plymouth. It's there if they need it. Yeah, but exactly. They really don't need it. Right. Why do it if you don't have yeah. to? They're probably worried about a mistake, but um, and then you know, nothing they did was wrong. They were in position to win the game with what they were doing. Yeah. Um, just you know, just struggled for that last uh, big play or whatever on the last drive. You know, you mentioned the uh, kids coming back from Anadnock. Of course, Campbell's got a, a couple of sophomore, big time sophomores coming back. Mills being the the key one, I think. Plus. Um, uh, Carter Vedrani, who's uh, kind of tight end, I think 
maybe a little bit of alignment for them. Um, you Mills, know, sure that Mills was a kid that I think I came away from uh, the UNH that day. That's the kid that impressed me the most of any of the three teams, you know. Um, and it wasn't so much uh, – he did a lot on offense, threw the ball, ran the ball, but just, just a hard hitter on defense – and he was in on a ton of plays. I think he had 18 tackles. Eight, 18 tackles, a forced fumble is what they gave him credit yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge day, huge day. Um, forget it, if he didn't contribute at all on offense, that's a huge day. But I think he completed three or four passes. He was their leading rusher, scored both, both TDs. Yep. Um, that's a kid to watch. I don't care what level football he plays, you know. He's going to be a dominant player next year. He's he's a big kid. I mean, for a sophomore, he's he's got a lot of size. Kind of like we we're talking about um, Fuller. Jordan Fuller. Yeah, yep. those two kids, two sophomores this year, definitely to watch uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, I'd ask you who you think is going to be. Uh, I mean, obviously we just talked about Manadnock and Campbell, you know, being there again next year. Um, I'd say who else, but since we don't know what Division three and maybe four is going to look like, I mean, I would think those are two teams that are in Division three next year yeah no uh, question um but who's going to be there with them yeah i think you know the most of the well i don't want to say the, the division four setup for next year is going to be the programs uh that struggled you know win-loss record this year uh fall mountain mascoma raymond farmington um i know newport and uh summersworth were originally put in division four but they uh, petitioned up to play in Division Three and were granted. Um, Otherwise, so you'd end up with right what we had this year. Yeah, right. Even worse, probably. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the team that I think uh, that could be a factor in Division Three next year is Stevens again. You know, yeah. they made another run this year at the end of the season. They lost almost everything last year after they won the title. They have a very good. Uh, so another sophomore, Keegan McAllister, one of the best running backs uh, in that division, and he'll be back next year. So um, I would expect them to be in the mix as well. You know, they, they gave Campbell a game, I think it was through three quarters. It was a, what? It was a close game. 14 yeah, nothing or something quarters, like yeah. that. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, it's a good sports town. I, I would figure they'd be back in the race as well. The one thing that I really, I mean, as much as, you know, we talked about, I know, I know you and I have talked about, throughout the year of you know doing this is kind of neither one of us really likes it um you know for whatever reasons um it, i think it's kind of you know it's given an every kid a trophy kind of thing like what what's your incentive to get better if you're just gonna move down a division or you're just gonna you know just keep passing the buck i mean oh you know what, what's i mean is it gonna happen again where you know all of a sudden teams are still getting blown out do we need to create a Division Five? Like, what? What S is it? Sends the wrong message, it, I think. Yeah. You know, I. There's, if they had exhausted everything they could do, and they just for whatever reason they just couldn't compete, I could understand where they were coming from. But, you know, without getting into specifics, I've seen some of these teams. There's a lot of improvement that could be made by the school, by the program. Um, you, you know, and I just. Uh, I think the goal should be get better. You know, you've got these teams. You can't compete with them. Just don't throw up the white flag. You know, do what you can to get better. Um, I, I always use Maine as the example because uh, Maine used to have three divisions, and they were it was a terrific setup. I used to cover a lot of high school football there, and they went away from it, and they've 
it's just been miserable since they went to, I don't know what they have now, five, I think. Schools dropping football because the lowest division, just lack of interest. And the scores have been ridiculous. Like the even the championship scores last Saturday, were, they played their games in Maine as well. Um, I know Marsh with a team right across the border won something like 56 to 14. And it's, it's the case of where you, when we had six divisions, the smaller you slice it up, the greater chance you have of having one or two teams that just dominate, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's what we're seeing up there as well. Um, so, yeah, so, again, I don't, I don't like the, the four-division setup. I don't think we need it. I think there are better alternatives. And, you know, we could have done it. One thing we could have done was, you know, you always hear about they do everything by enrollment, but with the four divisions, they, they picked and choose, chose who was going to be where, you know, um, allowing Alvern to move down, for example, and things like that, uh, Newport and Summersworth to go up. Well, if we had kept the three divisions, I think we could have just made a few changes, you know, flip-flopped, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Pembroke and West for two of the stronger D3 programs or whatever and, and had a pretty good setup. You know, I think people are looking for uh, a system where every game is going to be decided by seven points or less. And, and it's, and you're just going to, yeah, you're going to have your, you know, your 36 to six games or worse. I mean, it happens in every sport. We're right. going to see it this, this winter. Is, and It's going to happen in basketball. Right. It's going to happen in baseball. It happens in lacrosse. You've got this your good is, teams, your yeah. mediocre teams and your, and your teams that are struggling. And this seems to be the only sport where it just, it drives people, you know, drives people to, well, we need more divisions. Yeah. And then, Again, I, I could talk about this forever because I'm pretty passionate about it. But you know, one of these divisions is probably not going to get to play at UNH, which that's I the other downside. I yeah, think. I think that's yeah. a shame because uh, they're going to they're going to look at their championship as something less, I think, than the three others. Um, I think it's great to have a day of football up there at UNH, and the three games is perfect. It's not rushed. Um, you know, it's it's ideal almost. Now you can't base everything on that, but that was one of the benefits of of the setup that they had. And the other thing, I we were talking about this the other night a little bit. I just I don't like the way the set, the schedules are going to be set up. I don't even know how they're going to set them up. You got an eight team division, perhaps being division four, and then you have twelve teams in division three. So you know we're going to have this case at the end of the year where one team. You know, I'm sure he's going to play a much easier schedule than another team, but still get in, and I, I, I just don't like it. You know, I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll stop uh, there. Well, uh, let's let's hope we don't have to. Let's hope something, some sense prevails, uh, and 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 this doesn't, at least not happen in the way we think it might happen. Or you know, something changes. Um, but I'm not going to hold my breath either. No, I think it's I think it's the direction we're headed, and. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going to – I don't know what D4 is going to – what the scores are going to look like next year, you know, but there's certainly nobody in that division, um, you know, the the proposed Division 4 that was competitive this year, you know, and I, I just don't see the need to create a division um, of non-competitive teams. I mean, and give one of them a trophy, I, you know, that's not the uh, – you know, if a kid is is uh, struggling in math, you know you don't necessarily give him less math. You you try and teach him and right. you know get a better grade and do study more and all that other stuff. But we're going the other direction with football. Uh, Roger, I want to uh, thank you again for coming out and joining me for the what's the last show of the football season. Uh, I think um, 
you know, again, an entertaining day, if nothing else. Um, not as competitive maybe as we hoped in some of the games, but a very good um, showcase, I think, for New Hampshire football. Uh, those mm -hmm. of those of us who braved the rain and the cold and all that to sit out there at UNH, it's uh, turned into a fantastic venue um, and a, a really a fantastic day. It's one, I know one that I look forward to, you know, pretty much every year. Yeah, and, and I do my fair share of, of NHIA bashing, but I, I got to give them credit for making the move to UNH because for forever we had all those championship games on the same day, pretty much at the same time. You had to pick one. A lot of fans want to see more than one, so th this allows them to do so. Um, now we just have to get those playoff games on Friday nights, and we'll be all set. <laughs> Split them up, yeah. Uh, so once again, uh, thanks to Roger for coming out and joining me. Uh, this is Joe Marcellina uh, wrapping up the uh, football season uh, on the Ninth State Sports Show. Uh, again, we'll be back uh, after the new year to talk about some winter sports, so hopefully we'll see you then check out um of course a uh, twitter page uh at nhhs sports be giving you updates on there and of course uh also at nh-highschoolsports.com uh once again thanks for listening